Hello and welcome to Weekly MTG. I am one of your hosts, Blake Rasmussen, and we've got a special show today. Oh, oh yes, yes, we do. Very special. <laughs> Extremely, this is a very special episode of Weekly MTG. A very special Don't Drink Kids. Um, we are with the franchise <laughs> team. <laughs> After school specials on yeah. Weekly MTG every week. Yeah, every week. We are talking to the franchise team this week, which has had a lot of questions, a lot of mystery yeah. around it, oh. uh, which we're going to demystify what these guys do today. But first, I'd like to welcome back my co-host, Steve Sunu. Yeah, good to be back. Yeah. Good to be back. I've had a, a fun time surfing the Blind Eternities, and I'm back, uh, ready to go. Uh, and if you're missing Paul Cheon, you'll still be able to catch him. He is now streaming on Mondays, correct? He is streaming on Mondays on uh, R&D Streams Mad MTG. Yep. Yes. And we'll have a little more to show you about that later on in the program. Yes, we will. Uh, but yeah, really great to be back, but I, I'm even happier to be introducing two wonderful folks that we work with here in the building. We've got Nick Kelman and Daniel Ketchum from the franchise team. Uh, oh, hello. Yeah, camera, camera's right Steve, over there. Steve knows who you are. I do, I know. <laughs> we, work, we work together. I'm Steve, we work oh, together. Hi. Oh, hi. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. uh, but no, it's really great to have you all on the show. Uh, I know that, like Blake said, there have been a lot of questions about uh, what the franchise team is, you know, who they are, what they do, and uh, I, I feel like this is a really good opportunity to uh, talk to you guys, first of all, a little bit about your backgrounds, and then a little bit about what the franchise team does. So uh, you guys come to Wizards of the Coast from uh, different industries than, than the gaming industry, we certainly. Uh, and I know a little bit about it, but but they don't. So, uh, so Nick, where where are you coming to us from? Well, you know? I, I actually also from gaming a little bit. I've done some stuff. You just made a liar out of it. Yeah, oh, great. Yeah. Steve's first show back. Great. It's great. Very, sorry. Actually, it's, you're wrong, and all your research is for enough. nothing. It's fair enough that, that it, no, most of my career, the last ten years or so, has been uh, screenwriting and TV writing, but but also doing some work for Blizzard and some other game companies on on story and narrative, and so um, there's game experience in there. But I've been a writer for. 25 years, I think, or something, mm -hmm. and um, published uh, a bunch of books, uh, fiction and nonfiction, and then uh, <clears throat> about 10 years ago, got extremely lucky with a uh, original sci-fi screenplay that I wrote, and uh, uh, Steven Spielberg bought it. And so I sold everything and moved to Los Angeles. <laughs> um, uh, and then was lucky enough to sell movies to other studios and, um, uh, and eventually found my way to Wizards um, in my current position. Okay, and what was your, uh, did you play Magic before you got here? I, uh, I, I'm hesitant to admit this because it dates me, but I, I played Magic um, since 1990, from about 94 to 2000. Mm -hmm. You already um, said you had a 25 year running yeah, career. Yeah, so, so that's about as long as yeah, but, but, <laughs> I mean, started running when, when I was four. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, so I, I played early on and then I stopped for a while um, and then I got back into uh, um, TCGs a, a few years ago and then have picked Magic up again in the last year. Next week is my one-year anniversary here, which is... Congratulations. Oh, happy anniversary. It's staggering, but yeah. <laughs> uh, Dave, how long have you been here? Hi. Um, ooh, just about six months now. I started in January, okay. so... 
And yeah, what, what were you doing before flash. that? Uh, before that, I was at Marvel Comics. Oh, I think uh, I've heard of that place. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. Steve and I actually go back. We have a <laughs> yeah. secret history in comics together. We do. It's yeah, true. yeah, yeah. We both, uh, um, we both used to And now that we both made it out, we talk about it like it's our nom. Yeah, a little um, bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. Um, but yeah, no, I worked at Marvel Comics for 11 years, uh, and I was an editor. Um, I worked on Punisher and Spider-Man and Moon Knight for a couple of years before moving on to X-Men, and that's where the bulk of okay. my time was. Um, so yeah, I got to work on a bunch of cool books with a bunch of awesome creators. Um, I got to do um, Age of X, which was a big crossover X-Men event that mm -hmm. Mike Carey worked on. Um, and then I got to go on and I did A-Force with Willow Wilson and Marguerite Bennett. Um, all sorts of fun stuff. X-Men Legacy, which oh, yeah. um, if you're familiar with the Legion TV show, um, that started Legion. So. A lot of really cool projects, and now I get to come here and work on cool projects. Well, and you've, you've been a uh, Magic fan for a long time, too, right? A very long time. Yeah. I mean, also since 1994, but that was very different for me than for Nick, because I was in the I was in the Because fifth I was grade. a child. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, at the, like, the cards, I, well, I was yeah. at the elementary school lunch table. <laughs> like the <laughs> I was definitely that fifth grader who was, like, opening Fallen Empires boosters and being like, why do all the thrills look different? Like, I was that kid, for sure. So. And that, that yeah. is actually a great transition into uh, what your jobs actually are on Oh, there you go. Because, uh, there you go. I'm sure. I'm sure when we brought up the uh, I'm sure we brought up the graphics of everybody's titles already. But uh, in case you didn't catch them, Daniel, you are the senior franchise art director, and Nick is uh, principal entertainment designer. Right. So, well, what did those mean? It's a good question. Is that, <laughs> I, I, changes I like to, every day. I like to think of it in my head as, as words and pictures. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. kind of right. Yeah. 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 Well, so why don't uh, why don't you tell us about what the franchise team is? Because we've we've said that word a bit now for the past okay. year uh, that the franchise team has been around ish. Heck, we've said it a lot of times in the first couple of minutes of the stream. And, so. and many times yeah. in the first couple <laughs> minutes of the stream. But what what is the franchise so team? So for the for the past year and moving into the future, Magic is spreading out into a bunch of new expressions and so this team was kind of created to help uh, uh, tie all of those expressions together in terms of story and art and uh, communicate between them and also work directly on several of them. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, really, what it is, you know, magic. Twenty-five years now, it's um, been primarily known as existing inside a frame of cardboard about this big. Mm -hmm. And so, the franchise team, we're here to kind of like break out of that frame mm -hmm. and see, well, where else can magic go in terms of story, art, its reach, um, really changing the way that people interact with magic. Right. And so, starting with the card game and starting with the story and lore from the card game, it's how do we work with those guys and take those elements and spread them out into different places. Okay. Um, when you were when you were making the box and talking about breaking out of the card frame, I could hear your boss. Who else is on? Who yeah, else who is on the franchise team? For? Yeah, so we work for Jeremy Jarvis, who's okay. been here for a very long time. He has. He was <laughs> artist, and, art director. And, yeah. yeah, and yeah. has commissioned I think nine thousand nine hundred and thirty pieces of art, and is very upset that he he, he, <laughs> he kept he's count of that. Seventy and... short. Of, <laughs> yeah, and he's very but, bashful uh, when you bring up the pieces of art that he has contributed yeah, to Magic, like yeah. Lightning Greaves or Ad Nauseum. Yeah. He's always like, oh yeah, I did that card. Yeah, yeah, but. So he's the head of the franchise team, and then uh, there's a bunch of other people on it, including Matt Cavada, who's been here for a long time, and Gino Choi, and Garrett, Garrett Turner, Turner, Matt Danner, Matt Jordan Danner, yeah. Comar, yeah, yeah, all of yeah. our favorites. In fact, everybody on the team has been here a long time except us. Yeah, except for us. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you guys are the new guys, which is why <laughs> you got vol yeah. volunteered yeah. for this. Yeah. 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 Everyone else had enough, Nobody enough like shit spot to be like, no, yeah. no, no, I'm not doing this. <laughs> they know who I am. It's hazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so how, talk a little, you've mentioned that you work 
with bringing a lot of these disparate elements together. What other teams in the building do you work with and what's that relationship like? Well, I mean, I, so on the narrative side, I work uh, intimately with the world building team. Mm -hmm. So the story people who have been here and been in charge of story forever, like Jenna Helen and Doug Bayer and Ken Troop, um, I meet with them two or three times a week um, for quite a long time to talk about uh, uh, the card story and to talk about all the other things that we're planning and, and coordinate on that. And mm -hmm. um, um, so, uh, and then we work with the digital teams about uh, to to um, help them out with making sure that that uh, that the expressions that they're creating there are also part of that same framework. Mm -hmm. um, so those are for me. That's who I primarily work with in the building. Yeah, well, I mean, then, really, it's Magic's. I mean, <coughs> we're talking about the franchise teams sort of managing Magic's outward face to the world in a lot of ways in terms of story and narrative and art and. Right now, that specifically is the Planeswalkers. Mm -hmm. And so we're in a lot of ways the stewards of the Planeswalkers. We share that responsibility with R&D. Mm -hmm. um, and so if you think about, well, anything that the Planeswalkers touch, we have some sort of a hand in. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's just about everything we're doing. It's a lot moment. of things. Yeah, exactly. It's a so, lot. So Nick's yeah. listed a few of those departments. But you know, I'd say that you know, we, I mean, we're in the lucky position where we get to interface with everyone throughout the building. Mm -hmm. And you find folks. So yeah, it's pretty great. Uh, now, Nick, you said something that made me think. Uh, the world building team. So mm -hmm. a lot of people since you guys started taking over story uh, have been a little confused about what the relationship is with the world building team mm -hmm. and you guys and uh, can you talk a little bit more about that relationship and what yeah, they sure. do? I mean yeah I don't know where taking over story came from. I, it's I mean so um, uh, story was always a thing that like a handful of people on the world building team if they had the time on nights and weekends mm -hmm. would generate and as magic story grew and as as i said as as magic as a franchise wants to start branching out into a bunch of other media it was just too big a job for mm -hmm. for those people and not fair to those people so the um uh so the way that it's working right now is uh those those folks that i mentioned before and with input from me and daniel were kind of together generating the plan for story across everything basically mm -hmm. and then um the uh, the fiction piece, the written piece, is, is at that point, once we agree on what the story should be and what the character should be and the direction, then that piece, that kind of, uh, um, that core is then handed off to me and I'm going out right now and finding writers to execute on it. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's, once drafts come in, there's still a lot of back and forth. Like Jenna and I go over every story together and, mm -hmm. and, um, um, <clears throat> and not just it's not like the world building team is just checking lore. Like Jenna's an amazing writer and editor, and so Jenna is the best. Yeah, <laughs> she really is the best. And I don't know how she has time to do yeah. all that because editing those stories takes up an enormous amount of my time, mm -hmm. and for Jenna, it's like extra work. So, but um, uh, yeah, so the the generation is hand in hand with with me with the people who have always been doing it, and mm -hmm. then. Um, and then its execution in the cards is being handled by the people who have always done it. And then its execution in other media is being is being handled by me as the coordinator. But we're bringing in great creators for everything, to, you know, uh, writers and other people to mm -hmm. execute on it in each each medium. I'm glad that you mentioned writers because we've we've definitely taken a different approach uh, to who is generating that story. Mm -hmm. Uh, from in terms of the actual execution of the writing, mm -hmm. uh, because you know, for Dominar's story, we had. Uh, Martha Wells mm -hmm. come in and do Dominara story. Mm -hmm. Now we've got Kate Elliott doing uh, the story for, for mm -hmm. M19. Uh, what's been your process in looking for a writer? 
for these stories? How do you how do you evaluate you know so, who it is that we want to come in and, right. and help, so, help generate I mean, this content? So when I came in, Jeremy and I talked about this a lot, and you know, Magic has a reputation as second for none to none for fantasy art. So what we're trying to do is set out to kind of create a second to none reputation for fiction as well. Um, and so, um, a great writers. B, we initially wanted people who had a, uh, a long enough uh, career uh, of creating their own material that we felt like they would uh, be able to handle these big worlds and be able to handle the storytelling uh, and bring different voices that were clear voices to each set of stories. Um, and then the other thing we want to do, just like on the magic art side, is find uh, newer talent who have proved, you know, have a book or two books out that like really prove that they they are great writers, but then uh, bring them in and and try to get their work out a little bit and and help promote them a little bit as well as writers. So it's kind of twofold. Um, uh, yeah. So that's okay. that's kind of the criteria. Well, and the the outside <clears throat> writers thing, I. It, it, it was almost a coincidence that you guys came on at about the same time that we started using outside writers. Not exactly, but we've been, I know Ken Troop, who you mentioned earlier, he and I have been talking for a couple of years now about can we bring in extra writers, can, mm -hmm. we, can we bring in outside writers, because, like you said, it was extra work that people like Jenna and Allison were doing on their lunch breaks and after work and stuff like that. Um, so... What what was kind of finally the impetus to be able to bring in outside writers? Was it just we had money and time? Uh, yes. <laughs> great. Cool. And All that's right. our show. All Thank right. you. Oh, here we go. You heard it here first. <laughs> no, I mean, of course. Look, it's yeah. it's always look. It's it's like I said. The the I mean. The decision was made before either of us got here mm -hmm. at a high level that Magic wanted to expand into into lots of different media mm -hmm. and and uh, so that created the money and then they brought me and Daniel on and that created the time mm -hmm. and um, and obviously you know like I we, we both have a history in publishing so mm -hmm. um, uh, so that that was also part of it where I've been reaching out to people that I know who are fiction writers and fantasy authors and, and agents and bringing those people in mm -hmm. and then uh, and Daniel's been doing the same. So, yeah. um, I mean, I think there's something really exciting about you know this is also always the case at Marvel when I was editing comics, right? Is um, X Men have been around for 50 some odd years. Um, it was always exciting when a new writer with new ideas walked in the door with their own point of view, and they were like, "Hey, I'm going to tell my story, but through the lens of these characters." And you would get something that felt, um, you know, grounded and authentic and 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 cool to that person in the property, but kind of everything working together was something new and different and sort of expanded what X-Men did. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that's what I'm really excited about the franchise team doing with Magic, is, you know, it's awesome to have Jenna and Allison continuing to contribute, but I'm also excited for um, the new voices that come in who are like, okay, if I did something with Chandra, or if I did something with Garrick, or, you know, you go down the list of Planeswalkers, like, what, what might that look like, or what could that be, and where could that... Take yeah, and I've, and I've said that before too in, in other interviews for, for us that, that um, giving those writers room to breathe is really important. I mean, it's mm -hmm. like there's mm -hmm. no point in bringing in these great talents that have, very, that have their own voices and then telling them they absolutely have to write this exactly like this. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it's it, so right. you can't even tell who Simple they are. Point, so yeah. it's like you want them to bring their own stuff to it, you know? And, and like, um, you know, for instance, like Kate Elliott, like she does 
her character relationship stuff, particularly between women, is great. And so I thought, okay, like we want to tell this story about Bolas and Ugin, and uh, we wanted to have a frame story, which actually was was going to be a little different originally. And Kate came in and she was like, you know, I'd love it to be this thing. And I was like, that is awesome. And like, mm -hmm. let's let's do that. And so um, and so she has really brought uh, all of that rich character relationship stuff to the Bolas and Ugin story, which is really what their story needed. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> and that's very different than a couple, some of the stories that I can't tell you about that we have coming up <laughs> are tonally very, very different. And mm -hmm. so we have a completely different writer who's really good at that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so um, yeah, that's that's really important. So the, the Tarkir stuff in the current story, that mm -hmm. was Kate's idea. You didn't come to her and say. Yeah, well, so we wanted to do we wanted to do a framing story mm -hmm. um, for a variety of reasons, and um, uh, and we wanted Bolus present, covertly present in the framing story, mm -hmm. um, and uh, it was very. What we went to her with was very kind of plot driven. If that mm -hmm. makes any sense, and so uh, and we went to her with. Bolas and Ugin being being spiritual twins, at least, right? So, um, and she came back and was like, "Well, you know, what would be cool would be is if the framing story was also twins mm -hmm. and their relationship mirrored the Bolas and Ugin story." And I was like, "Yeah, of course, that would be great. That's why we're hiring you, and I'm not doing it." <laughs> so, like, yeah, exactly. So that's yeah, that's that was the it was a bit of both, but okay. yeah, yeah, the twins and the Tarkir thing. She really likes Tarkir. Mm -hmm. um, and, it's a cool um, place. Yeah. Well, and she likes well. dragons. She likes dragons, and, and you know, as I think as a fantasy author, she hasn't. I'm not even sure she's. She's written a lot of stuff, so I may be misspeaking, but I'm not sure she's done anything with a dragon in it. And so I think mm. it was something for her that maybe, and I don't want to put words in her mouth either, but I, but that maybe writing dragons is kind of like, like we always want the dragons. You yeah. know, it's like, and I know that she she. When we were talking to her about it, she asked her daughter if she should do the story, and 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 she was and her daughter was like, "I think so. What's it about?" And she was like, "Well, they want me to tell this story about this dragon, Nicole Bolas, and this other dragon." And the daughter was like, "Do it!" <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, because her daughter um, yeah. played magic. Yeah, yeah, when, yeah, when we had Kate so, on the uh, on the show yeah. uh, earlier this year, she told us a little bit of that story, and yeah. uh, it's really cool just to see how far magic has you know proliferated in the 25 years that it's been around. That yeah. there, there yeah. are fans all over the place. Yeah. Uh, one of the cool things about framing, I'm glad that you talked about framing, because Blake, I remember you mentioning the other day that uh, you know magic, that magic art had a very different connection to the story uh, way back. Way right? back when us yeah. old people played, yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> we've got, when all of us old people played, yeah. We've it's... got some <laughs> cards back from kind of the Weatherlight era, that whole saga, uh, like Capsize, Reap, Insight. If we can show some of those up on the screen where Magic Story uh, and the cards, it was almost like a storyboard where you could lay out the cards and it was like mm. this event, mm -hmm. this mm -hmm. event, this event, even to, like that's a flying ship that's not really capsizing and I'm not sure what that has to do with like returning a a, ship. A, a, something to your hand. not just any flying ship. Like I love that <laughs> spell. I, I don't know what the art is trying to tell me. Of course you love that spell. But it's a story, of course. <laughs> but it's a story fact. Uh, and then we move <clears throat> forward and, you know, reap. It's people standing around talking, which, sure. Uh, and then more insight, more, or this is reap, sorry. Insight was the previous card. More people. Standing around talking, which of course has to do with reaping. Reaping, obviously. And, that's yeah, what obviously. I. That's what I think of when I when I when I see reap uh, or hear the word reap. That's exactly <laughs> the scene that I think exactly. of. Exactly. 
So that's what it used to be like. And then these days, we've kind of moved to Story Spotlight cards. So Hour of Devastation and Perilous Voyage were the two we picked out. But You can see them on the, on yep. the screen here. So this was obviously a moment, but if you look mm -hmm. through the Hour of Devastation set, it's not storyboarded. Right. Things are allowed to breathe on their own. So I kind of took that over. Steve, you had a question. Yeah, no, that was that was my question. Basically, well, I mean, well, if you <laughs> that was a statement. That was, was a statement. Like, <laughs> I, you you'd spoken about that the other day. Steve poses the premise. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's on. what it's what we called the the, the, the catch and release. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Or something like that. Uh, no, but it's so this is a really cool way that magic is framed story yeah. and art together. Uh, how do you see card art and story connecting as we continue to move forward? Clearly, this is one expression, but you know, over 25 years, a lot of things have changed. It's 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 not going to be dissimilar from how we do it now. Um, there's still going to be story spotlight cards. Um, something that we're going to try to do is have them be more the major beats of the story that aren't necessarily so closely connected to each other. Um, but but very similar. Mm -hmm. I, the 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 trick is is that that we come up with the uh, the card story so far before anybody is writing it, and it has to be locked in for the card set so far before that it's important that the the uh, story spotlight cards are things that we know will be like are the mm -hmm. the most important elements of the story. So I think. Um, I think what that answer boils down to is that there's going to be there, we're not really changing much except that the story spotlight cards will really focus on the biggest beats of the stories. Uh, some of the some of the the cards over the years have been more have been smaller moments. Mm -hmm. So I think that's that's the thing. Like Hannah and Gerard sitting around <coughs> chatting with a lab ring about what you doing? hey what's yeah. going on for example how you doing yeah what are yeah. you have for breakfast. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I actually do want to know that. that. Like, was that if that's what they were asking? I want to hear that conversation. That sounds, we'll, sounds we'll talk. Yeah. Bit, we'll figure it out. <laughs> we should. So you you kind of started touching on it here uh, with the story spotlight cards, but how difficult is it to juggle telling a story on cards and also telling a story in in other formats? What what are the challenges you guys face there? Well, uh, th uh, there's a lot. I mean, do you want to talk about the artistic challenges, first of all? I mean, they're two pretty different animals, right? Because a card, you get a frozen moment in time mm -hmm. that can only capture so much, and maybe <laughs> a line or two of flavor text. Yeah. And so there's only so much that you can convey there. Um, I mean, I think that Magic has done a, a kind of an incredible job of conveying as much as they have. You know, over the, they've they found ways to maximize that little piece of cardboard as much as they can in like the type line, the the title. They've managed to communicate so much. But I think that again, as we look outside the card frame, there's so much more room to explore and to spread out and to do other cool things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I mean, so so I mean, obviously, there's the graphic element of like all our characters are shown from the front. So um, that's something that like we have to start thinking about if we're going to go into other media. It's like, well, what what are the backs? You know, like very simple things like that. Um, and then on the the story side of things, um, there's the you know the cards serve as an, an outline. So from a fiction perspective, from a narrative perspective, it's not that different moving from that to fleshing out that story. Um, I think the, the bigger hurdle is actually more like the technical one in a way, where it's like a lot of characters, mm. a, a, like a lot of, in a strange way, a lot of character work is done by the technical aspects of a card, particularly mm -hmm. for planeswalkers, who don't have flavor text on their card. And so 
people's perception of who that character is is sort of like Sarkon's a great example, right? Like he generates dragons. It's like so this is a guy who's really into dragons, right? It's mm -hmm. like so the the trick is, is is staying true to those technical aspects of character but turning them into a character thing. Mm -hmm. um, so how do you express well he loves dragons in a narrative way and not a technical way. So I think that's from a Well that's an easy one. Like I mean hard ones are like your, your girl Tamio. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. how do you well, take like artist, yeah. yeah, right? Because like yeah. how do you take like oh she taps permanence and draws you cards in the game to well but what's her power then in a story or yeah. in a you yeah. know any number of uh, media expressions, right? Yeah. Like you can't necessarily have Tamio like, you know, in a, in a novel being like I'm drawing this unknown entity yeah. cards. Yeah. So um yeah. So from a narrative perspective, the 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 moving from the the bullet point outline that are story spotlights to story, that's that's not that tricky. The tricky thing is 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 staying true to the technical spirit of the card because that's really like well, it's gameplay becoming narrative. That's mm -hmm. the trickiest piece. Okay. Um, Daniel, this is we've been talking a lot about writing. So let's let's move on to pretty pictures. <laughs> uh, you've got you've got some people in the building right now who are outside artists. What what's it like working with outside artists on this sort of stuff? And tell us what you can about the okay. artists in the okay, building. Let's see here. Well, let's I mean, see. I assume I assume working in comics, you've worked with outside artists before. Many more than I, mean, I care to twice. admit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I mean, you know, it, that's that's always the toughest thing, right? It was because obviously you want to give as as we talked about before, we want to give them room to. Um, play and take their hand to the characters and own those characters themselves, but mm -hmm. still we want to make sure that they are authentic and that rings true for the fans. So like for example, if you have, you know, Storm, you want to make sure that like, hey, we can do things with Storm that's that are, you know, cool and amazing and eye-catching that we've never seen before, and new things that will excite people, but you still want to make sure that it rings authentic for those die-hard Storm fans, Daniel Ketchum. Mm -hmm. um, so <laughs> so it's, this, it's the same thing that we're doing now with Magic. Now with Magic, there's a little more room to explore just because, again, on a card you get this little picture and you only get so much room. So for example, um, let's take Chandra. Mm -hmm. You know, Chandra, um, there's this question of, again, we, we know Chandra kind of what she looks like from all angles, but we've seen lots of different kinds of expressions of her powers. Well, what definitively are her powers? How do they look? Um, what what what's out of bounds? What what's you know you know fair use in terms of like well what could she do like on the spot? Um, what does it look like when she's casting a spell? Mm -hmm. You know, how is that different from what it looks like when Jace casts a spell? Mm -hmm. um, and so the artists that are in the building right now are getting to kind of dive into all that fun stuff. I mean, Nick and Jeremy and I have had lots of conversations about like, okay, well, what might those powers be and how might they work? But the cool thing we're working with the artists now is we get to turn that over and be like, okay, now you go, and we want to see like, you know, what what can you make of that? Mm -hmm. um, and so they're experimenting right now and figuring out like, okay, well, what do Chandra's powers look like? And, and what's a cool way to express, you know, Teferi slowing time or, you know, Nahiri um, crafting weapons out of stone. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm super excited to see what they come up with and then what doors that might open for us in the future. Okay. Has it been interesting for you having previously worked in like a very clear sequential storytelling medium to come and move here and sort of see uh, sort of work on an in-between place that's not quite sequential storytelling, it's not quite static, but it's somewhere in between. Has that been pretty cool for you, coming in to work here? Absolutely. I mean, again, you know, Marvel, it's so, um, in a lot of ways, it, again, 50 years of continuity built up for X-Men, there are some things that people kind of have accepted as truth, or they've already sort of iterated on things and figured out, oh, this is the coolest way for Nightcrawler's powers to work. I mean, until an X2 comes along and changes the game. Right. Um, but that's sort of, you know, the stage that we're in with magic right now, is 
is like we haven't had an opportunity to do a lot of that iterating, so it's like the Wild West. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of room to explore and play around and try new things and figure out, oh, what's the coolest way that you can express this power? Uh, and so, like, it's it's been a really neat experience going from somewhere where it's like, okay, I get to play with toys where we all know what they are and how they work, to being like, oh, here's a toy. I get to help discover what it is and discover how it works. It's been really cool. Nice. Okay. Awesome. Now, um, I'm going to throw out a buzzword for the fans. Uh, I've heard your boss, Jeremy Jarvis, <laughs> he, like, he likes to use a lot of different phrases, but transmedia narrative is, is one that he throws around a bit. So besides sounding really good to our vice president, <laughs> what, does that, what does that phrase mean, and what does it mean for the future of the story of magic? Well, it comes back to, to what the team is, is for. It's, it's I mean, um, yeah, it is, it is just a fancy kind of corporate jargon term for like, well, we're telling stories in lots of different places. Mm -hmm. So um, how do you make sure that they all are consistent in such a way that they all feel like the same characters and the same worlds and um, uh, the same voices, even though you have different people telling those stories. Mm -hmm. So it's, um, yeah, that's that's really what it is. How does Deadpool sound the same in the comic, in the movie, in a commercial ta for Taco Bell, right? Like, it's like figuring out, well, what are those commonalities in court? <laughs> you just, no, you just totally gave away that Chandra's doing a commercial for Taco Bell. I mean, <laughs> it's not happening. It's not happening. <laughs> Relax. Yes, yeah, call us Taco Relax. Bell. Relax. <laughs> Take the finger off the mouse button. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, so when, when, <laughs> I love this show. Uh, <laughs> when, it's not him. When you're, when you're building characters, right? When uh -huh. you're, when you're exploring them, you're exploring what they can do, how they look. Uh, we, we touched on this a little bit with sort of, you know, looking at their powers and exploring that, but what else are, is the franchise team looking to do with these characters that Magic maybe hasn't done before? Do you want this one? Do you want me to take it? Uh, what you got? What you got, Kelman? Can, well, can you just elaborate on that a little bit? Like, yeah, sure. Right? So, we, it was, it was really cool when Daniel was talking about, you know, looking Thank at, you. looking at, oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> don't welcome. even know what it is. Well, he doesn't know what it is. He'll take credit. But it was great. It was, uh, it was interesting here when he was talking about, you know, uh, the, the different expressions of power, trying to figure out what those are, mm -hmm. and looking at characters from different angles. We see them head on, like you mentioned. We don't get to see a lot of them to the side or from the back. And uh, when, when you're building up these characters, as you explore what makes them tick, like with Sarkin, right. um, so, you know, what are you looking to do that Magic might I, have not have done previously? Well, I think, you know, I think the most important thing is building up more relationships between them. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, that's been done in the web fiction, but like the, but the, the web fiction compared to the size of the magic audience, the web fiction audience is, is very small. So I think it's really important that uh, one thing that, you know, the cards have those cool moments, but people talking is not the best card, and yet that's often the best moment in a story, right? Uh, because that's the, that's the human interaction and the human relationship. So I think that, like, that's the thing that really, um, there's been some incredible work in the web fiction on relationships, but like, take that, amplify it, add to it, because it's been only the, the characters that have been in the web fiction, but try to create those great relationships between all our major characters and, and get those great relationship moments and emotional moments out there in lots of different media. So I think from a storytelling perspective, that's probably the biggest, um, biggest uh, hurdle for us in the next few years. Um, yeah. yeah, I think depending on who you are and what you bring to the property right now, you might see our Planeswalkers to varying degrees as like three-dimensional people. 
and I think that's the thing that we're most excited about is building them out so that they're you know living, breathing human beings to us the way that like characters from other properties are. Um, I think relations that's a huge one. Like I mean. At Marvel, there was always the question of like, okay, well, who's smooching who? And it's like, you know what I mean? And it's like, I think that's so wrong. Like, you know, who's who's smooching who in the multiverse, Nick Hellman? Yeah, well, some people, <laughs> some people are. But, um, um, so, the, I, so the, I think uh, that's a big one. And you know, beyond that, it's it's you know, what well, what what do these what makes these characters tick? You know, what are their motivations? What do they want beyond winning a player a game? Right? Um, what what hurts them? Um, what what do they find funny, and how are they funny? Like that's a big one because I feel like that's a, a huge space for us to explore, right? Um, so all sorts of new things. I also think there are some characters that like the card game wouldn't necessarily care about that. Even just like in like lunchtime chats, you know, amongst the franchise team, we'll be like, oh man, it'll be awesome if we get a character like this. Um, and so hopefully we'll get to do more of that as we explore some of these other spaces. Yeah, I mean it, it's interesting coming into into the building. Like there there. Um, I just had this experience today with somebody who came in from the outside uh, who who's going to do some work for us. Like, you you don't realize how opaque Magic Story is to a lot of the world. Like, there are the fans who know the web fiction and know the stories, but they're 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 a small part of our audience right now. And like, to all of us sitting here on this couch, like, we know all these stories, we know all these relationships, but but it's kind of we want to bring that out into the world mm -hmm. and, and broaden it and and like get that um, get it out there that people that. Some people are smooching other people. Yeah. And so that when Chandra <laughs> says two lines of dialogue in her Taco Bell commercial, you know from Which that exactly who she is. <laughs> it's not happening. This is not a, don't, is not a thing. Don't stop it. <laughs> stop it. You're Someone at Taco Bell is real happy about all the, like, the free advertising. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Moving on. Besides commercials, so you're making me all hungry, yeah. and it's it's. Uh, is this how we get ta chocolate tacos? Three days days tacos this is how yeah. this is, this is how it starts. <laughs> this is how it starts. No regrets. Don't go far. <laughs> uh, so in your in your guys' happy places in your head, so uh -huh. not not necessarily in like what you know is happening. Definitely not commercials. How how do you see people being able to experience the magic story? story with a lowercase s in the the further future like 2022 2025 well, the, the dream situation is is like every way that people experience story for other big ips so i mean we want to see comics we want to see graphic novels we want to see novels we want to see um uh some kind of of uh uh film or tv um so in the the dream state years from now it would be that so okay. yeah and uh, yeah. and then there's the digital aspect so other uh, other games that are not card games mm -hmm. um, so uh, like I don't know open world RPG or something like yeah. that like I, I feel like uh, fans of magic are kind of in on the secret right now of how deep magic can go and how what um, potential it has for telling awesome stories and bringing awesome experiences to to, to players of the game, but also just like, you know, people who like latch onto the characters and the stories. And so I think that, you know, ideally, you know, in some amount of time, hopefully sooner rather than later, um, we'll offer those people lots of um, uh, avenues to participate in magic and to express that fandom and to share that with other people mm -hmm. on any number of ways. All the things that Nick just listed, but even like, you can go to a store and you can find a banana that has like, a, you know, a, a character on it, you know what I mean, on the little sticker. I would love for the, not making another pitch for like a thing, but for you know to see Chandra magic bananas. characters, yeah, Chandra bananas. Why <laughs> not? not um, no, but you know what no. I mean. Like you know, uh, you can see you know you can go out and get that 
Chandra Snuggie or whatever it is that you want. Yeah. You know, where you can interact with the characters in lots of different ways. And I hope that we're um, as pervasive in the future as some of the other entertainment brands because I think that magic has the potential to do that. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a it's an interest. It's almost a unique situation where there's this enormously rich universe and history and story and 25 years of stuff. And like when I bring a writer in, I'm like, look, you like you probably don't know this. But the magic universe is like 20, 30% the size of the Marvel universe. Mm -hmm. Like, and, and then, so it's a lot of immersion. Mm -hmm. Like, I just had this experience the other day where we brought a writer on and I sent him all the stories he has to read to catch up. And he's like, <laughs> he like had a breakdown. <laughs> was like, I was like, I don't understand. I told you there was a lot of backstory you have to catch up on. But so, um, yeah, so it's, it's an interesting situation where it's like, this thing exists and it's like, how do we get it out there in the world so that everybody else can can see how cool it is? So like, it. my mom understands yep. who Chandra yep. is. Yes, yep. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Happy birthday, mom. Yeah. <laughs> Happy birthday, Blake's mom. Yay! Happy birthday, Blake's mom. Um, cool, well, so let's let's continue on that thread. Do you, do you see a point where uh, characters, planeswalkers, are introduced in places that are not the card game? So, We've done this with uh, Dak Faden, who was introduced in the comic before he ever got a card. But do you see this becoming a more regular occurrence? Like we have a Saturday morning cartoon, and we meet a plane. Do they even do versus... Saturday morning cartoons anymore? Oh, I no. hope so. It's For like, my child's, they're, my they're future great. child's sake, yeah. They're great, but I don't know. I, yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh. ignoring that. <laughs> basically, do you do you see where's the story cart? Where's the story horse? Which comes first? Mm. I, you know, I'm sure that at, I'm, I'm sure that we will introduce characters, planeswalkers in other media sometime. Like at some point in the future, I certainly hope that that stuff exists so that mm -hmm. we can do that. I, I can imagine that that it would be a lead into that character appearing in the card set at some point. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I would be surprised if we introduced a planeswalker in particular. Mm -hmm without some idea that in the next year or two they might appear in the card set sure. um, or somewhere else and eventually in the card set. Um, uh, but certainly non-Planeswalkers, I mean, it's kind of already, like like Kate's stories have already happened and, mm -hmm. and, um, and there's been some really fun theories about how that frame story ties into mm -hmm. uh, like upcoming card set stuff and things. So. Um, that was Nick um, really holding back from saying anything. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't actually. No, it, it's pu it's all public stuff. I'm just yeah. I'm just saying like it's it's been interesting to see people tie stuff together, mm -hmm. um, and uh, but uh, yeah. So I sure, but I think at some point those if we introduce a planeswalker, it's with probably with the intent of it of that character eventually being seen everywhere, including the card set. So it's it's whether it happens to come first. Outside of the card set is not not necessarily material. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So mm -hmm. that covers most of what we wanted to oh. at least introduce you guys to. We have a ton <laughs> of questions from fans. We do. Uh, if you are in Twitch chat right now and you want to ask a question, feel free to throw it in there. We've got a whole list to get through. So don't be offended if we're not. Don't able be offended to if we don't get, get to, to you. But yet. feel free to throw questions at us. I've got a bunch from Twitter. Before we do that, however, while the questions roll in, we've got some some rap. We've got a rapid uh, yes. fire round oh, here, here we go. to test a, a little bit of your story story background and knowledge. And well, I actually this question does neither of those things. Oh. But <laughs> the first question. <laughs> Good lead in, Blake. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, master of transitions. Who would win in a fight, Fibblethip or Zindersplit? Spit. 
I'd say, I'd say Fibblethip because his eye is slightly bigger. Okay, that's Oh, right. I said Fibblethip by default because the other guy won't be able to find him. He's totally lost. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, which Gatewatch member or former member would win in a foot race? To me, it's obviously Chandra. Chandra. Yeah, it's got to be Chandra. Okay. She's real fast. Yep. <laughs> is that canon? <laughs> she real fast? Yeah. She real fast. She real fast. Character bio. Yeah. Yeah. Fire from Kaladesh originally. <laughs> she real fast. She real fast. Uh, if you were having a kid and had to name them after a magic character, oh, what Lordy. would you name them? Uh, Avison. Ooh. That's, that's, really? That's very yeah. pretty. Yeah. yeah. Avison Kellerman? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe Sarah, <laughs> but like, I think Avison. Uh, Slimefoot. No. Slimefoot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Tiana I'd consider, though. Yeah, Tiana's nice. I, yeah. Because I like the character of Tiana so much. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I like the name. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. All yeah, I don't know. So. I love it. I like the name Avison. Okay. Uh, the next rapid fire question is, on what plane would you most like to vacation? Oh, that's a tough one. Lorwyn. Lorwyn. So, yeah. Okay. Pre-Shadowmoor. Right. I, I would hope pre-Shadowmoor. Lorwyn. Yeah. Fairies <laughs> <laughs> and Lorwyn. goblins yeah. are going to get all up in your business, no, though? No, 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 like... but they're the nice kind. I don't know. I've always had a thing for, like, Victorian fairy art and, like, uh, uh, Arthur Rackham and that kind of stuff. And, and uh, I don't know. I, Arthur I love Rackham, look at you. That way, that way you just get a, a camera and, like, just take pictures of the surrounding Yeah, it just, just seems like, like really nice it just seems, yeah, there's a, uh, yeah, it just seems like it would be, be a nice, you know, the Fairies would bring you cocktails and things like that. <laughs> Seems like it would be a good place. Probably Fiora. I don't okay. know. I don't know that that's as familiar to people. You but. know, you can just go to Florence, right? Well, that's why I want to go to Fiora, though. <laughs> <laughs> the, the world where the conspiracy sects are. Correct. Yeah. Get stabbed. Oh, there you go, Blake. There you go. Uh, who's your favorite magic character? Elspeth. I was about to say. And why, and why is it Elspeth <laughs> Terrell? <laughs> I I love. Her. I mean. I know that uh, she had a rocky start, but I've loved her story from the beginning. I don't know if you remember, um, Jeremy Jarvis actually edited some comics back in the day that sort of told some of the origin stories of the Planeswalkers. Right. Um, and Elspeth's origin stories from the beginning really resonated with me, that she started sort of like as this slave on this uh, planet uh, colonized by the Phyrexians and everything. And that that she is, Daniel also was born as a slave on a Phyrexian planet. Yes. So. <laughs> yeah. Yep, completely yeah. identified. Uh, yeah. Um, so, but yeah, but then the, she overcame it. She became, you know, Elspeth, you know, this like uh, tremendous leader, the, the Captain America of the Planeswalker lineup, you know what I mean? I uh, uh, always Elspeth. Tomio. Nice. Tomio. Okay. Story magic. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. That's, yeah. that's good. Yeah. Uh, oh, uh, what is your favorite magic story? I, I guess I guess oh. we know yours. Well, well, you know that, but um, from that same collection, uh, you know what else was good? Was the Garrick story. That one was great. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that told his origin story and, and his relationship with his father. Um, that I think that was definitely an avenue where it, it took a character who was cool in the cards, um, but then added layers in a way that we're looking to add layers to Planeswalkers, where you you understood something, and, and whereas the cards are cool, it was that story that made me kind of love Garrick a little bit. Uh, I, I'm a fan of Liliana's arc overall, but like, but I think Shadows of Rinnistrad I really like, and. Um, uh, and I hate to say it, but I really like the M19 story. <laughs> I know I was what do you mean to say it? Yeah. I guess that was a great story with it, but yeah. it's just like as I saw her, it come to fruition, it's really like I think she did just a fantastic job. I, I can vouch for that, and it came so. up to me several times, yeah. excited, like, have you read this story? Yeah. yeah. Have you read the story? This yeah. would move me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so. <laughs> and then and then Blake came up to me and was like, oh, have you read the story yet? This The story's really good. It is the story's really, really good. good. <laughs> I'm really enjoying really it. Yeah. Uh, favorite storyteller you've never worked with? Oh, that's a tough one. Oh, well, no, you go. 
Herman Melville. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> for that too. Because I was going to say Jim Henson, and I was like, oh, okay. I don't have any oh. answer. But Jim oh. Henson, I'm on a big Jim Henson kick right yeah, now. Yeah, okay. yeah, that's a good one. Okay. I have one more question. What do you think of Blake's tie? <laughs> Very <laughs> nice. I just thought, thought it was I think it doesn't cause interference on the monitor. Yeah, it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't do that. It was mostly, so you can see I'm, I'm wearing black today, which does not, it, I blend into the background, so it's like, they have to know I have a torso. So that's this. So that, that's the tie. So that's nice. the tie. Yeah, the tie is your torso My torso identifier. identifier. <laughs> this is where Blake's torso is, right, life approximately. Pro tip, if you want to show people you have a torso, wear a tie. Wear a tie. <laughs> wear a tie. Wear a tie. All right, let's move on to some Q&A. So these are all fan questions okay. straight from the internet. So this one is oh from, boy. I love butchering Twitter handles, J2Mercado. Can we see repeat authors for Magic Story? Kate Elliott has been killing it with her Chronicles of Bolas and would love to see her writing again. Yeah, I, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's, that's a plan to get uh, people... Uh, on onboarded with the history and the lore and the stories and the characters, and then hopefully go back to them, just like just like we do for magic art. So okay. um, the trick is it's a longer timeline, right? So um, uh, and we wanna we don't necessarily want to do people back to back, but yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah. Uh, from at Charlequin on Twitter, mm -hmm. uh, what did the transition process for the story to the franchise team look like, and how did that affect the process for plotting the story? I think we touched on this a little bit earlier. Yeah, we did. There, there isn't. There hasn't been a trans. It hasn't transitioned. Uh, it's been more that we kind of integrated with them. So um, uh, the story still starts with the card set and, mm -hmm. and is planned out a long time ahead. Um, so it's more that I become involved in their process and um, uh, am brainstorming with them, and we're kind of working on story structures together and planning out characters for the next few years. Mm -hmm. And then, then as a yeah, I mean we talked about this already. And then I kind of take the fiction piece and then hand that off to an author. And gotcha. so, but, so the world building team is still doing what the world building <coughs> team does, yeah. and you kind of come in and yeah, help yeah. them do that. Yeah. Stuff. yeah. Uh, this was the. Uh, I love this, this question. This, this is a great story. <laughs> a question uh, from Chrysopoetics. Good one. Good one. I think so. Yeah. Uh, what is story for? What? What is story <laughs> for? Story for? Mm. What is story for? <laughs> what are we without story? That's what I. Is that? Say. Is that how you're answering yes. the question? That's, that's, that's the question. I answered your question. If that is the question, the answer is what are we without story? No, but seriously, like I mean, I, it, that's such a meta question. I mean, mm. to me, um, I you know I think a lot about this. I, I, my my undergrad degree is actually in neuroscience, and so I'm constantly thinking about the connection, but because. When you break down story structure, there's always, ultimately, it's always the same themes coming up, and good stories always have, at the at the most macro level, very similar story elements. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, uh, since it's a meta question, I think the meta answer is: is stories really help us learn and understand the world in a way that we never forget. Sure. So. Uh, they're sort of a like. There's no substitute for experience except stories. Sometimes, right? Like you can tell somebody to not make a mistake and they just will go and make the mistake and then they'll learn from it but if they hear a story about it they i feel like that is on they they learn that in a more deep 
rooted way than just a fact. Mm -hmm. So I think stories really help us understand the world. They help us understand relationships, and and um, yeah. So that's that's what I think story is for. Um, yeah. Okay. That was a really good answer to a question. That's like that the, the most profound like, yeah. thing I've ever heard you say. Yeah, yeah. that was amazing. Thanks. That was, that was a good. profound <laughs> question. Yeah, no, that was a profound <laughs> answer. Yeah. No, it was good. Uh, so given the, the our large and diverse audience, uh, is it difficult to incorporate overarching, and this, and this kind of actually dovetails with what you just said. This is from Alma V. MTG. Given the large and diverse audience, is it difficult to incorporate overarching themes or life lessons into the story? Is it, quote, just a story, or could we learn, it, learn a t thing or two from the story to apply to our own lives? Yeah, I mean, I think we, I, yeah. I think it just answered. I mean, I, In other I words, hope what that, a story for. Yeah, what a story. <laughs> yeah, I hope. I hope that. I mean, I think if a story is a good story, there's always stuff to learn from it. Yeah. Sure. I mean, be it you're talking about the Marvel universe or the multiverse of magic, right? Like, um, there, there are lots of fantastical elements. They're not like our world at all, but almost in the specificity of the story, you want people to see their experiences reflected. Yeah. Um, and so there's a way in which story can be universal and resonate. And so I think that, you know, in terms of, um, you know, we have an incredibly diverse audience. And I think we have an increasingly diverse world, but hopefully it's in the telling of it and the specificities that, you know, people can kind of see best whatever is cosmetic and find that universality that they can relate to. Yeah, right. and the strength of fantasy and science fiction has always been that you can tell stories that if you told them head on, you wouldn't be able to tell mm -hmm. in that particular mm -hmm. time and place. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think if anything, like, fantasy stories or science fiction stories in in a lot of circumstances are the only way to tell certain stories you know before the world's ready to accept them and sure. it's like so um, and then you can do things that you can also have great what if situations mm -hmm. you know like like uh, you can have magical circumstances where a father is younger than his daughter for example like that's a really cool thing like what does that look like you mm -hmm. know so um, yeah uh, next question is from at Ecto Cooler Ranch on Twitter. It's a great, it's a great it's name. Oh, what would that name. wait like Ecto Cooler like the high C flavor with the yeah, with like, ranch? Like, like what I would guess, that I taste guess, like? I don't know. I mean, I I actually it's, it's we, we can Steve's talk about childhood. Yeah. <laughs> Steve's childhood. Yeah. <laughs> uh, That's gonna be Chandra's Taco Bell drink. <laughs> <laughs> it's not happening. With it's a not happening. happening. With a Chandra's favorite Taco Bell meal. The combo meal. Yeah. Anyway, from at Echo Cooler Ranch on Twitter, asks: Is there a conscious effort put towards developing unique world-building concepts like villains, races, and factions? So I would put villains in a different category than the other the other two uh, things. Yeah. Uh, uh, the answer, the short answer is, is yes. But the villains piece is less a world building thing than a story thing, and the races and factions is a world building thing for sure. Okay. Yeah. I also think yes because you know again the card game has very specific wants and needs, right? Like for example. Um, the cards that will want to visit worlds where like you can get out of out of it the, the things that are important to magic like five colors and certain kinds of conflicts and and a good setting that you know you can get a very full world to explore with the cards um underwater world would be a tough one to explore in the card game because <laughs> sure. it's hard to get all five cards of mana out of that and like what kind of conflicts do you have and everything else not impossible it'll be tougher than some of the others but like magic story on the other hand where you're not fettered by the same considerations it's very easy to be like, yeah, we're gonna tell a quick story on Underwater World or they're gonna visit this plane that, you know, where like uh, all, all matter is immaterial, it's all music or it's all, you know, like flashing lights. And it's like, we couldn't get a full cards out of that, but we could get a chapter of fiction out of that. And so I think that more and more there's room to explore new and different kinds of worlds. 
Okay. Uh, this question comes from Twitch chat. You're not prepared. Uh-oh. Uh, what considerations, if any, go into building a narrative that shares elements with ancient history or current societal trends? Hmm. So basically, what, what happens when you dip into the real world a little mm -hmm. bit for story inspiration? Uh, one more time? What considerations, if yeah. any, go into building a narrative that shares elements with ancient history or current societal trends? So we saw this with a lot of our earlier sets where, mm -hmm. for example, Arabian Nights was based off um, uh, the Thousand, Thousand and One. Yeah, Thousand One Tales. Well, sure, Amon but it's different for world building than it is for story. Mm -hmm. uh, so those are really different considerations. I think on the, the story side of things, um, I don't know, I, I guess, and this is just for story in general, I think you don't want to be too on the nose. Like if you're, uh, especially with like the societal trends part, like I, it's funny that it, we just—I was just talking about science fiction and what science fiction and fantasy does well. Like, mm -hmm. it's kind of looking at things out of the corner of your eye a little bit. So, you—you—that's the primary consideration I think is like, um, I think if you set out to tell a story about like something that's happening right now in society as a as like the story is going to be a lesson about that thing, it's very difficult to make that a good thing. But if it grows out of the story. Um, uh, that is usually a bit better, and I think that's because it tends to be not quite exactly the thing. It's mm -hmm. kind of refracted a little bit, and that that enriches it a little. Um, the um, the the historical tropes thing is a different. Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk about that? Well, I mean, I, to, to build off what you were saying, <laughs> you know, I think there's something really cool about taking the science fiction fantasy lens to something that's familiar, right? Because once you kind of like put it through enough filters, it starts to look distant enough that you can um, kind of shed your own perceptions about the, the whatever baggage you've got with the real world thing that we're talking about, be it a place, historical event, person, topic, whatever, whatever. And you can kind of look at it in a different way and participate participate in it in a different way. Um, and so I think at best, that's what we can do with magic, right? Where you can kind of like um, recognize something familiar in it and kind of love what you loved about ancient Egypt and, and Amonkhet. But but it's put through enough lens where you're like, oh, this is a completely new experience that I can enjoy in a different way. Cool. Yeah, it's, yeah. No, go on. Oh, did yeah. you have more? No, no, it's okay. Okay. Uh, this question comes from <clears throat> at a Johnny Coldmane. That one's for you, Steve. Not Johnny oh, Goldman. I like it. Uh, Johnny I like Coldman. Coldman. Instead of Goldman. Oh my God. You know, the first week that I was here, Nick sent me an email asking for something about, um, he wanted uh, like a document or, or an image for a Johnny Goldman, but his autocorrect changed it to a Johnny Goldman. And a Johnny Goldman is not my new favorite person. <laughs> it's always a Johnny Goldman. Um, so this, this comes from at a Johnny Coldman. Uh, it's a two part question. I think the part you're going to want to talk to is the second part, but we'll read okay, the whole question. Okay. How does story balance out the needs of color balancing planeswalkers for standard with the needs of the story? This is a roundabout way of asking what Wizards of the Coast is doing for green mage fans who were in agony after Garrick and Nyssa left the mono green pastures. So, it's funny you asked that question. It's so funny. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's like, it's like we, we planned something here. <laughs> Which was a real question. Yeah, yeah it was yeah, a real question. This was for an actual for real, a real question. person. Yeah. But no, we're very excited because uh, I'm, we're very excited about Vivian. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're excited. Does everyone know who Vivian is? Uh, we're ex we They're not going to answer, but answer hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, play some M19. Play some M19. Yeah. Yeah. But um, uh, uh, 
so we're excited to announce that we're doing a three-part introductory story for Vivian that's being mm -hmm. written by Cassandra Kaw, um, who has written Hammer on Bones and uh, some other great Lovecraft horror fiction, detective fiction, A Song for Quiet, mm -hmm. um, and so uh, and we have some original art that we've commissioned for it, which is awesome, mm -hmm. and um, so. Uh, so we're doing right by Vivian. So yeah, we're doing right by Vivian and Green Planeswalker fans. You're going to get something awesome very soon. Um, and then to answer the question, um, the uh, th there's a lot of back and forth between R and D and 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 the world building and franchise story team mm -hmm. about. Uh, so they kind of come to us with the technical requirements of the set, and then there's back and forth where we're, where we take, oh, you need a, a blue green planeswalker, and you need it in this set that's in two years' time, like, and we kind of look at who we've told stories about previously, and who we are going to tell stories about, and so, and we look at the red green planeswalkers, and we say, oh, like this character could use a story, like what is what you know, and then we think about where, what plane it's on, and which other characters are already in there, and like would they be, able, would we be able to tell a good story, and then we go back with a recommendation, and then mm -hmm. R and D is like, well, that planeswalker doesn't work technically, so could we use this other one? And so there's a lot of back and forth, but sure. um, uh, it's tricky, um, it's definitely tricky, but uh, it tends to start with the Question from the technical side, um, and then we then we try to move the pieces around and make the make the make the characters get an even uh, get even Way attention. Where they need yeah. To be. yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so I think this is going to be our last question. We're almost out of time. Oh, uh, this is from at Vronos, uh, Daniel. I think you were you were talking about some of this before we got on the stream. So, duels, the web comics, and the IDW comics carried a lot of supplemental story weight over the past decade. Are there similarly supplemental storytelling outlets planned nowadays that you can reveal or discuss? Not that I can reveal or discuss. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and hey, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> but th that's generally something we want to keep doing. The, Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I mean, we want to explore all different kinds of avenues for telling stories with these characters. Sure. Um, I mean, and, th and that's why it's so exciting the work that I'm doing right now with these artists in-house, in right? Mm -hmm. To start to flesh out, like, okay, who are these characters? What do they look like from all angles? How do their powers work? So that then, when those opportunities arise, we're like, hey, here you go. Here's what you need to tell these stories. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, thank you guys for joining us. Thank, thank you very much. everyone for tuning in. Uh, before we go, We've created this handy dandy stream graphic that is going to show you Chandra what Chalupa. is no, <laughs> no, what is on sure the docket for the next two weeks <laughs> at twitch.tv slash magic. You can see Weekly MTG is on there next week. The week after that, Weekly MTG is taking the week off because of the Pro Tour and Silver Showcase and a number of things happening in Minneapolis. I'm going to be there. And next week, we have a really cool show for everyone who likes C18 and actual previews. Yes, we will, we will act, yeah. have actual previews. <laughs> actual previews. Gavin Verhe is going to be on the show. Uh, James Wyatt's also going to be on the show. Yeah, and he's going to be talking about a pretty special project that I think uh, fans of D&D might be excited to tune in for. Oh. I, I think they, 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 yeah. maybe. 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 <laughs> uh, coming up next, right here on this channel, so stay where you are. Keep it on, keep those headphones on, keep the alt tab if you're at work going. <laughs> and uh, Kenji Igashira is going to be streaming right here. That's right. New so, Nummy himself going to yep. make some cool plays for people watching twitch.tv slash magic. So stay tuned for that, and we will see you next week on Weekly MTG. Did we get through the whole show with... 
without a single yeah, one. Without, Good job. Nice work. Yeah. Yes, no money in the swear jar. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs>